Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, unlike J.R. Smith, make sure to bring more than seven pieces of underwear, because with Lakers basketball back, them's gonna be soiled real quick. You know what I'm saying, Tommy? Basketball! It's back. It's back. Did you soil your underwear today, watching basketball? Oh, I did. Basketball I, had, I, had, I had soiled seven pairs, actually. <laughs> seven pairs! That is amazing. Uh, but yes, we are back. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Tommy. Um, basketball is my favorite game, and uh, it's back on television. And uh, 
Tommy, how did you feel getting back into the swing of watching balls go into hoops once again? <laughs> so, I mean, yesterday the um, was the first you know set of games or whatever, and I watched a little bit in the background. I, the thing that I've been most curious about, besides actually seeing the games or seeing the players and, and watching like the team chemistry and, and kind of picking up from where they all left off, was just to see like how it would all actually work in this weird bubble system. And I, so, yeah, that kind of, I, I caught a bit of the Clippers magic game in the background while I was working yesterday. And, and um, that kind of answered that question. But, you know, in terms of just watching basketball, it's been fantastic to just have sports back yes. in general. I mean, the Dodgers opening day is today and basketball's back and it's just, Crazy, man. And it's weird because I feel like the product, and maybe we're going to talk about this, but I, I, I thought that the product was quite a bit more advanced um, than a typical preseason. Um, I think guys have been staying in shape more than they do in a typical offseason, probably because there's nothing to do and there was always the chance to um, come back. And and also another factor is although four months is like a very long off season for most teams um, that, you know, the ones that uh, make the playoffs anyway, um, four months would be a pretty long off season, but these guys are coming back to the same team. Like that never happened. Yeah. Like normally like half the league is reshuffled right after one off season. So it's, it's kind of like an interesting dynamic where you can tell that guys are sort of just feeling things out and getting their wind um, and getting their endurance in or sorry, conditioning in. But um, it, they're like weirdly more far along than they should be. I mean, like they're, they, they're playing like they they're in the middle of the season, not like it's the first game after, you know, a long off season. Yeah. I felt like it was this weird, surreal mixture of, you know, right before a season starts, you have that, Oh, it feels like Christmas morning sort of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of that and a bit of like, what the hell is this again? And also really, what the hell is this? Because it's different. And so you're kind of excited, but you're also adjusting to literally this new dystopian world and setup. And you're kind of getting acclimated to it for the very first time. So I think surreal is the best way to describe it, where you're just, you're excited. Like everything is happening all at once and you're just trying to process it, process it. Um but yeah, I, I guess the biggest takeaway is thank God basketball is back and thank God Lakers basketball is back. Um, and obviously we'll get into that in this episode. But before we do, Tommy, the last time we talked, we only had 11 subscribers on YouTube and two of those subscribers were me and my girlfriend. We 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 now have 152 subscribers, man. It's oh, amazing. Oh, damn. Um, Special thanks to, to Pete Zayas Laker Film Room, because like when I released my Dion Waiters video, by the way, if you haven't watched it yet, please go and check it out. Uh, he lobbed it up to his timeline, retweeted it, and that's pretty much how we got most of our traction. But I will say even before that, when I kind of complained and woefully talked about how it's just me and my girlfriend on there, the last podcast episode, we gained like, yeah, I don't know, 29 new subscribers. So I was like, all right pretty good people are listening we got about 42 and then i released my dion waiters deep dive video pete zayas lobbed it up to the timeline and then like four thousand views later like we had over a hundred subscribers so pretty cool so thank you laker pete um and also i just released the jr smith deep dive video so check that out subscribe to our channel um where you can also view these episodes as well uh but first and foremost, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. You can also follow us on Instagram under the same handle. 
Please also rate and review us on iTunes. And Tommy, we finally broke the 410 ratings and review wall. The same 410 that we'd been stuck on for the last five months. So we now have 412. So thank you guys, the, the two of you who stepped up. And as promised, we are going to read the review that got us over that 410 hump. And tonight, we are going to have Impressionist Extraordinaire, Tommy, read the review. And tonight, Tommy, you will be reading this review as uh, J.R. Smith's seven piece of underwear. Interpret that oh, how you may. So t- <clears throat> take it away, J.R. Smith's seven piece of, seventh piece of underwear. This review is entitled <laughs> Great Podcast by Booney number 24. Booney. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Wait, was that it? it? Oh, sweet. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, was it hashtag Boonie24? It was Boonie number 24. Boonie, yeah, Boonie number 24. Boonie24, you are amazing for getting us over that 410 hump. Even more amazing was that impression by Tommy. Tommy, what went into your channeling of J.R. Smith's last piece of underwear during this bubble quarantine? I was just trying to imagine a piece of fabric that has just really been through a lot and uh, could <laughs> could just use a break at this point. Very nice and could use a, a wash immediately. Uh, so, yes, thank you guys for getting us over the hump. Please help us get to 420 now because 420 is the latest number. Also, if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially and get extra um, exclusive looks at stuff early, whether that's videos or episodes or exclusive segments um you can become a patron and donate as little as a dollar a month and you can do that at patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast uh all right tommy let's talk about lakers basketball because we can actually talk about lakers basketball um let's just talk about observations you gave a little bit for yourself at the beginning um i don't know about you but especially as it pertains to the first half of this game you know, these are scrimmage games, right? And maybe I'm being a little bit biased and maybe it would have felt different if they had not been wearing their actual uniforms. And obviously it's only 10 minutes, you know, per quarter. But I was surprised at how non-scrimmagey the game felt, at least in the first half. It felt more like a preseason game to me. And I understand that when it comes to, I think this is like a team-by-team basis. Like every team will approach it probably differently. But as far as the Lakers are concerned... Seemed like they were approaching it pretty seriously and more intentional than I had expected them to. And, you know, I mean, taking a step back, it makes sense that they would, but you you never know, right? And given that it was a scrimmage game, I feel like a lot of fans had expected this to just kind of be like a total dumpster fire, you know, just, just get people's conditioning up. And for the most part, it was. And, you know, the Lakers were still definitely testing and trying things out. But honestly, that first half, I was like, this feels like a preseason game and the eight games that are to follow with regards to the regular season, that really feels like it's going to be, Hey, we have eight games left to the playoffs and we're ramping up, you know, because I had begun to get this sentiment from listening to other people that because there's nothing to play for, you know, the, the Lakers are not really playing for home court advantage that they might treat the, the first eight regular season games as preseason games. But having just watched this first scrimmage game, this feels like the preseason, these first three games. And um, yep. and I know you shouldn't glean too much from them, but it, it's clear that the coaches 
are definitely using this time as more than just, you know, run out there, get a second win, get your conditioning up, because they're actually running plays. They're actually testing people out in different roles. For the most part, we saw the main guys who are going to get time. Um, Alex Caruso didn't play, and it feels like Quinn Cook was just a sort of placeholder for him. Um, So he's probably not going to be getting the time he did today. But other than that, you kind of saw guys in their roles that they would be playing, maybe not to this extent, but um, yeah, I just thought that aspect of things was was a little bit interesting, at least from the Lakers' perspective. What what did you think? Uh, in what respect? Like, what do you mean? Like the the? I guess did you overall... feel like it was a little bit more organized, or I guess more intentional than you had anticipated? Um, certainly for the first game, I think a little bit more. I think there are a few things at play here that's going to keep this. Um, this whole thing kind of interesting. I think one is there are so many teams actually in, in the West actually playing for seating and playing for something. Um, the Mavericks, I mean, you'll know, you notice like beyond playing their normal starting rotation or whatever for the first half also played it in like Luca and Chris Apps were out there in the third quarter against mm-hmm. like our bench guys. So they are one of the teams though, that, I mean, they're, you know, currently firmly in seventh, they could potentially move up to sixth. Um, or maybe, you know, I don't know, I don't know how, how big the gap is actually. So I don't know if they can move up higher than sixth, but you know, they, they need to get a rhythm. They're a young team. Um, there's a bunch of other teams kind of in similar boats in the West. I, you know, Trudell and, um, or Geeter, one of them during the the telecast on on sports uh, Time Warner Sportsnet or whatever, they were talking about the same idea that you raised that because the Lakers are pretty much locked into their seed, um, I think they have to win like two, like three games to clinch it or something. Like they can really treat the eight even regular season games as preseason games, and I just don't buy that at all. I think it's like kind yeah. of silly to take that approach. It's we're not the difference is after a preseason you have 82 regular season games before right. you go to the playoffs which is the real prize like they need to ramp up for the playoffs like now and it can't be like oh well the 1-8 matchup um that should be fine like no 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 the 8 matchup might be portland who just got nurkic back and like zach collins is you know i don't yeah, know if yeah, he's yeah. actually even playing yet but he, he they had a bunch of guys who were banged up i know for sure nurkic like started tonight they've obviously got damian and cj like those guys are not going to be messing around they didn't come to the bubble to hang out for like 2 weeks it's not like we're going to get to play the you know the Nets or the Wizards in the first round and just kind of use that as our ramp up. Like we need to start ramping up during the regular season in a normal 82 game regular season, the last eight game, like forget season, see us, uh, excuse me, seating, right. In a, in an 82 game season, the last 10% or so of the season, so like the last eight games is the ramp up time for serious contending playoff teams. Phil Jackson always used to, I mean, barring like maybe the last game or two, if there was a huge lead, he would sit guys like right before the playoffs. But there always was like a push around this time of the season to mm-hmm. really get like the, the good habits in, really get the, um, focus in and to suggest that they're just going to treat the eight games like kind of like preseason games because they don't really need to win. That's just so silly at this point. Like you have been, you've everyone's been off for four months. You have like literally three weeks to get playoff ready. 
at this point, like from right now. And yep. you need to like do that. You know what I mean? There's not going to be like a ton of time to, to get ramped up. And, and I feel like everyone's kind of ignoring that. So anyway, I think that plays into it. I mean, certainly in the first half when all the starters were playing it, these starters have kept themselves in fantastic shape. Danny green, mm-hmm. I thought looked great. I thought, you know, obviously LeBron AD looked just as good as ever. Um, AD even looked better offensively than I re- I feel like I remember. His game looked, for some reason, a little smoother. Um, He's like Tim Duncan-esque. Kind of boring, and I was like, all right, just face up and hit yeah, those yeah. jump shots. Cool. KCP looked phenomenal. Um, really, all of our rotation guards, I was very, very, very impressed by, including the, to the two pickups, um, to some extent. Quinn Cook, I mean... Every guard that went out there was competing defensively and competing at a high level, and and that's atypical from preseason, and that's not necessarily what I expected in this first game. And so that's why I, you know, before we started this, I kind of said this is a weird situation because it's it's in between preseason and regular season. It's kind of how these games feel like mm-hmm. it's preseason in the sense that we're playing, you know, Devonte Kaycock and Tht and yeah, and Costas and stuff, but. And, you know, guys are not necessarily going up 110% max effort yet, which makes sense because they're kind of just getting into it. But at the same time, it's not like a regular preseason where you're bringing in a whole, like, completely shuffled team. Like, the Lakers brought in 13 new, you know, 12 new guys or whatever this past year, you know. So, it, it you have that continuity there. So, the basketball wasn't quite as sloppy, Um you know, the, maybe the effort wasn't 100%, but the, certainly the, it was not as sloppy as a typical preseason. So that's another area where I, I, I think I was a yeah. little bit impressed at how far along they are. Along the same lines, though, I guess uh, in comparison to some of these other teams, and especially in comparison to where the Lakers left off, and to your point about, you know, the Lakers need to use these eight games to really, you know, they're not going to just rest LeBron James and Anthony Davis and give them 25 <laughs> no, like, minutes, you know, like, because yeah. to my what I was going to say was that in comparison to these other teams, regardless of how much continuity they were able to retain in comparison to a regular offseason, in this new context, the Lakers still have a lot of turnover. There's no Avery Bradley. There's no right. Rajon Rondo. All of a sudden, right. they were just integrating Markeith Morris, but they still could have integrated him more. There's Markeith Morris, Dion Waiters, and J.R. Smith now to integrate and along with the reshuffling of Rondo out, Avery Bradley out, Kuzma's finally healthy. So they've got a lot of kinks to actually work out, you know? And so I don't think at the end of the day that obviously whatever the results are with regards to these eight games, you know, that won't matter as much. But I think with regards to how they approach the process with which they're doing things, they got to treat it like, you know, it's the playoffs. I think no, I maybe mean, yeah. that last game against Sacramento, they'll know they'll have a better idea of who they're facing yeah. and what they need to do. Maybe that's the game that they rest because in in a microcosm like that one game equals maybe the last 3 games of a regular season, you know? Yep. But yep. the first 7 games, dude, they they're going to have to treat this like it's a ramp up for the playoffs essentially. Yeah, and I think LeBron AD, the main core, the main rotations, that's going to be minimum um, six. I think there's two opportunities for rest. I think one is every team has one back-to-back, so they might rest guys on the back-to-back. Um, yeah. 
because we, you know, why push it? That's literally the only back-to-back in this entire process. So, like, why even bother with it? Um, and then the second one is, like you said, that last game against the Kings. If our seating is kind of set already and, and Frank Vogel feels like everyone's gotten to, into a good place, like, maybe he plays his main guys for the first half only or something like that. Um, so those are the two games where you can you you can see them catching some rest. But I think other than that, it's going to be literally from game one, they're going to be playing LeBron at AD 35 minutes a game. Like, because there's not enough time. Like, they need to get into shape. I mean, these dudes are going to be, and not to say they're not in in shape shape, but they need to get in basketball shape. These dudes are going to be playing 40 minutes a game almost in the playoffs, and they need to get there very, very quickly. Like, people act like, it almost, it shows, like, so much disrespect to the season process when everyone's like, oh, they're just, they don't really need to try for these eight games. They just, uh, the playoffs is all that matter. It's like, the playoffs, yes, maybe you could make that argument after an 82-game season. You can't make that argument after four months of rest and, like, three weeks to kind of practice and play around yep. with, you know, teammates. It's, it's like, so it's so crazy. So I think it's going to be a pretty aggressive uh, burst in the beginning. Not necessarily killing themselves to win, but, like, yeah, you need exactly. to start getting those good habits. You don't want to get in the habit of losing. Yeah. And that's why I looked at this first half and I was like, oh, they're going to approach this differently for sure because everything they're doing is intentional, even if it's they're just testing stuff out. You know what I mean? It's definitely more than just run up and down and, you know, get yourself in game shape. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, we're going to take it to our first break. And when we return, we'll talk more about like what we saw from individual players. Hey guys, in case you missed our announcement at the top of the show, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports to give you guys a free $20 to play with. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20 and you'll get an instant $20 on top of that that you can play with on NBA games this season. So what are you waiting for? Double up on that $20, start playing some games, and maybe you'll come out with even more. It's Liddy on the Thrive Fantasy app. Oh, that's not their slogan. Prop up on the Thrive Fantasy app, but also it's Liddy. All right, we're back. Before we talk about the actual game that happened, Tommy, were there any interesting observations um, that you had with regards to just the the setup? Um, for me, uh, it was both exciting yet bizarre. Um, it's hard not to treat this whole thing like it's something entirely new. And yet you kind of still feel like we picked up where we left off. It's, yep. <laughs> I don't know. You feel, you feel all sorts of different ways. They obviously had that crowd noise being pumped in. And I don't know about you, but a couple times, it's almost like a placebo effect where the sounds that you're hearing, you feel like they're actually reacting to the misses and makes, even though it's probably just the constant cheering. Um, right, but in right. that sense, I still felt like it helped the ambiance and helped the players kind of just get into a rhythm. I mean, they may not have even needed it, but it just helped the overall experience. And then the last thing I'll say on my end is just that the depth perception is kind of bizarre, seeing that much empty space on the court. It made it feel very Summer League-esque. And it's going to be sort of... Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird adjusting and kind of reconciling the fact that these are going to be pretty soon very important games while looking like they're meaningless Summer summer League games, you know? Hmm. So there's a lot of weird <laughs> a lot of weird things going on but I guess that's to be expected with this new setup but uh anything on your end with regards to just how things felt and and looked coming back 
Yeah, I was actually um, pretty surprised. So, the, in, 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 surprised with how well the league did. Actually, was where I was going to go with that. I mean, if you, I don't think they did this during the Laker game unless I completely just blacked out. But there was a clip that went around Twitter yesterday of the Miami, Miami Heat, and they were pumping in like in those screens surrounding the court, were pumping in like fans cheering and like the, yeah. you know, because they were the home team and stuff. That's kind of cool. Just watching on TV. I'm sure it doesn't affect these guys at all, but you know, none of that stuff apparently affects these guys. So, you know, that's all fine. I, I just think, um, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying about the feel and, and the look and, and coming to terms with the fact that these actually are important games where they look like, you know, just random, not even summer league. Summer league is like higher quality than this at this point, <laughs> like 20,000 Laker fans show up, but um, that's true. But uh, no, I, I know where you're coming from. But I think I think that adjustment will actually happen very quickly once they actually start to play high intensity games that both teams are trying to win. Um, and we're just not there yet. I mean, these guys were mm-hmm. haven't played a game in four months against another team. They are very obviously getting the jitters out, and people kind of like with opposing te- uh, players on each side were kind of joking around with one another before the game started. Um, it's just like a totally different vibe right now. So I think once the intensity ramps up, all of that stuff is kind of going to melt away. I will say one thing that they need to do with local broadcast teams is figure out a way to get the audio better. Or, you know, I don't know what the plan is. Geeter calling the game was like not doing it for me. I, you know, not, no, no offense to any Geeter fans out there, <laughs> but uh, him calling the game was just... I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, loving it completely, and and um, the audio was weirdly doing some skipping and echoing at various points because mm. I think like they were their sound was delayed or I I, I can't I couldn't yeah. figure it out. But they need to sync all that stuff up, and that should be like super easy to clean up, and that should have been cleaned up at this point, to be honest with you. But um, you know, hopefully they they clean up the presentation of it a bit to make it look a little bit more legit and not like we're just streaming like a high school basketball game. <laughs> well, also it's just this is the local broadcast, so you'd assume that when it gets to the national, you know, TNT and ESPN, that hopefully it's a little bit more fine tuned. But uh, but yeah, all understandable given the circumstances. Um, THT looks very fit, but uh, he probably yeah. needs to work on his farmer's tan. I was like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> um, he had a sweet reverse layup in transition, though. Looked very acrobatic and fluid. Uh, some other highlight plays were uh, LeBron James, his uh, fast break lob to Dwight in transition. That was fun. He also had a nice alley-oop to Kyle Kuzma from the top of the three-point line with Kuzma running the baseline. That was really sick. That actually. was sick. Um, did you have any other like plays or anything that stood out in your mind? Um, the Dion waiters three at the end of, I think the first quarter. Yeah. He kind of like pose. Okay. So we need to talk about Dion waiters, obviously, but like, <laughs> I want to land here because I, ever since I did that video on him and called him Fiji water, Lance Stevenson, <laughs> I cannot get born ready out of my head when I see this dude play. I don't know about you. Obviously, he's a better shooter. He's he's a better scorer in every capacity. But whenever yeah. I see him dribble the ball, I'm like, oh, my God, this is Lance Stevenson reincarnated in this dude. And even the way he celebrates, right, his his crouch stance after he hit yeah. that three, I was like, is this born ready or like, what the hell are we seeing right now? Um, 
but yeah, let, I guess let's just talk about Dion Waiters. Uh, it looks like he regained some weight. <laughs> he looked pretty slim, like, uh, during quarantine, but it looks like he kind of got a little bit chunky again. Um, but overall, I thought he showed us what he can provide this team. Uh, he's a little trigger happy, but we kind of already knew that about Dion Waiters. I'd like to see him uh, play make a little bit more, but I feel like he was also just taking what the defense gave him. And um, in comparison to Rondo, he's definitely not going to stall the offense because he's going to let that thing fly. Uh, but the biggest thing for me was just that he really puts pressure on the defense. And even if he's being wacky with the ball, the defense kind of just has to pay attention to him either way because the good thing about him is, in comparison to Rondo and even Lance Stevenson, he's got a really nice mid-range pull-up game. Um, so I feel like he can attack you from all three levels. So uh, that's that's the main thing that I like from Dion Waiters. I think he had like seven points and three of seven shooting. But uh, but yeah, your thoughts on, on Dion? I think it was a really, really exciting glimpse of to what as to what he could potentially bring to us. Um, this coaching staff has done a phenomenal job. I, I can't remember. I saw somebody else tweet something along what I'm, the lines of, of what I'm about to say. So I, I don't, I can't take full credit, but I also can't attribute who the person is because I <laughs> forgot. But somebody said, um, essentially, what it feels like they've done is replace the initiation roles in the offense that were previously taken by Rondo and Avery Bradley when they were on the court, and kind of just slotted in. Um, Dion Waiters and Kuzma to take a lot of those touches. Um, mm-hmm. Dion Waiters is like crafty with the ball. And, yep. you know, every team needs one of these random small guards who's kind of hard to keep up with, but is like a really gifted offensive player. I know this is so vague, but like can get super hot in the playoffs. Like it feels like every team has like a random one of those dudes. Um, Lou Williams being like the you know, the MVP version of like that kind of player. But mm-hmm. um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting watching how he can get to the rim, how he can find people off the dribble when he's driving to the rim. That was actually very impressive to me. He had like a couple of really nice passes. Um, I still think his instinct a little bit is, is uh, to shoot a little bit too much right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were some plays where he felt like he forced it, but it's hard to know how much of that is him just being like, I haven't played basketball yes. for, you know, competitively yeah. in like a year and I need to get my shots up. Um, so, you know, you could make the same argument about Kuz. There were like a few times where Kuz took some kind of ill-advised shots. But anyway, I, I was really, really impressed. I know his stats weren't like crazy impressive or anything, but... I just like the way he was moving around. It it all looked natural. He looks like he's in fantastic shape. I mean, this dude is known for being like a little short round guy, you know? Yeah, he was fast he, on the court. He looked really fast and, and he looked like he was competing defensively. And, and I, re- I was really impressed. Yeah, at the very least, you could see glimpses and you could see a trajectory of how he could, you know, be effective on this team, just breaking a defense down and not waiting around and looking kind of lost, you know? Um, right. I'm sure that will lead us on some crazy wild adventures, but um, it's better It's better than, honestly, uh, what we had before, I feel like. Um, let's talk about Kuzma, because uh, he, I feel like he was the other big thing that you could point to that you could definitely feel the the coaching staff was definitely trying to emphasize. And they were, you know, we've talked about this many times in this past season about how, you know, Kuzma's been kind of lost with his role. Um, Trudell brought it up again that, you know, Kuzma hasn't been fully healthy in a while and he's been looking great in practice, obviously. Um, 
And I could care less about the shots he missed in this game. Uh, I was more concerned with, oh, great. They're actually giving this kid the opportunity to handle the ball, initiate the offense, get in some pick and rolls, either pull up for that mid-range J, which he made. He made one tonight. Again, I think Dwight Howard set him a screen, pulled up, drained it, um, and then also had a, had a nice lob to JaVale McGee, had another play where he tried to lob it and lobbed it a little bit too high. But for me, it's all about just getting this kid reps while you can, and this is the perfect you know environment to do so. And so he, he wasn't amazing, but I don't think he played poorly. I'm just glad that they're giving him looks and that they're allowing him to kind of explore his space a little bit because, look, Kuz is not a great ball handler. He's not very shifty or shaky, but because he has that very you know, crafty, weird Anton Jameson-esque mid-range floater game going on, and people know that he's a scorer, they kind of still have to respect him when he's dribbling the ball off a screen, you know? And he has a pretty good chemistry with JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard to just loft it into the air and and get them these nice alley-oops and everything like that. And so it's just about getting him back into a rhythm of doing that because prior to when we hit quarantine, Kuzma had just solely relegated himself into being like, I'm just going to be a garbage man type guy and I'm not even going to touch the ball. But now I feel like they're reacclimating him him to, no, you're going to touch the ball, so better get the rust off and uh, learn how to find your shot and know when to pick your spots about pulling up for that J, driving it hard into the lane. And then also looking for the the rolling big man. And so I think from that end, it was encouraging for me to see Kuzma even just get those reps. And, you know, it was was a bit of a mixed bag, but he still hit a three. I think he had like seven points, had that nice lob and assist to JaVale McGee. And a couple of his jumpers were just purely in and out shots. So again, I don't really base his performance on whether or not he made his shots today and, and more so on, okay, Kuzma's getting himself comfortable. Um, what did you see? Although I will say he did get cooked by Luca a ton. That wasn't very encouraging. But when it comes to, I guess, the the offensive aspect of things and the new role he's going to have to undertake with, with Rondo out, what did you see from Kuz? Uh, I had a similar reaction to you. I, I think, like, he didn't have a good game, but he played well in stretches, I think. You know, mm-hmm. he... His handle seemed like he, he he felt like he was a lot more confident with the handle. He actually mm-hmm. had some moves that were really nice. Um, but his problem has been, and I think, you know, and le- until he can get his in-game confidence up, I think his problem will continue to be he just, like, can't finish. I don't know what his deal is. He always... And it's not like, oh, he can't take contact around the rim. That's not necessarily what I mean. It It's more like he is really good at doing one thing right, but then makes the exact wrong decision every time after that. It feels like, you know what I mean? Like Like he can't string together the combo. Yeah, exactly. Like he'll get the screen, get into that mid-range game where he's very adept with his floater and then he'll overdrive or he'll like, you know, step back and take like a step back, more difficult jumper or he'll like make an ill-advised pass. Like there was this one sequence in the first half where they were swinging, maybe it was the third (laughs) quarter, they were like swinging the ball around and it gets to Kuzma in the corner. And, like, this is a huge growth step. Like, he catches that ball, immediately makes a super quick first step move down the baseline. You need to go up and yep. attack the rim at that point. Like, made like a wild you're trying pass to, like, instead. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're trying to kill it. He, like, drove all the way to the rim. Like, the help, like, never really came. But you could tell it's like he was anticipating and he was scared of it or something. And then he just makes this wild pass to, like, waiters who's guarded and it ends up in a contested three when it could have been a dunk. 
You know, so he does stuff like that that just kind of drives you crazy. But the nice thing about it so far is that he um, he did come in with that same hustle, that same effort. He had some really nice deflected passes. Um, he, you know, was getting rebounds. He was competing. I mean, Luca did cook him a few times, but Luca's really damn good. He's like, literally, he's yeah. one of the best players in the NBA. So that's nothing to be necessarily, you know, ashamed of, but, and he'll, he'll get back into, you know, getting used to guarding those types of guys too. And hopefully he's, we don't ask him to guard that type of guy too much in the playoffs, but, um, you know, he, he, uh, overall, I think played very, very, or he overall played pretty well, but he had some very good moments, I think. Yeah, and I think with Kuzma, it's almost like you've got to you can tell you can tell when his gears are turning in his head and he's like, well, "What do I do here? Is this the right thing to do? Should I pass? Should I shoot?" You know, like it it it's very apparent that that Kuzma's overthinking things when he's playing out there. So the simpler you can make it for Kuzma and and I think this just comes with getting him reacclimated with, "Hey, this is going to be your role. It's going to be different than it was, you know, prior to quarantine. We're going to need you to step up." Um because Kuzma's so different from his rookie year when he was thinking less. Does that make sense? Like, he was just playing basketball, and he wasn't overthinking, but I guess on a team like this, it, it makes sense that mentally you're like, oh, I've got to be a contributing player to a championship team, and I have to do, quote-unquote, the right things all the time. And what's sad with Kuzma is because he's so raw and green, um, he, he can't let that instinctual skill that made him like a 16 point score his rookie year where he just didn't give enough he can't it feels like he hasn't been able to let that um take over does that make sense i think he has to find that happy balance of like okay i know i'm on a veteran team i know my role is different but i also can't overthink things and yeah. uh and I, and I think I, part of that, and it's interesting, and I don't know how much they're telling him this with like their teammates, but he doesn't have any like go-to moves or like go-to things that he just likes to do on the offensive end consistently every night. Like you can say like even KCP, and I'm talking about go-to with the ball in his hands, like even KCP mm-hmm. has that little play where he runs the, the pick and roll with either Dwight or JaVale and is pretty good at throwing a lob with one hand off the dribble. You know what I mean? And they run that like a couple times a game and he's able to do something with the ball. And that's KCP, who is like not a ball handler. You I know think what they I mean? were trying to do that with Kuzma today. Though. I, I, think, I think they were trying to activate him more in that role as the ball handler in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and again, maybe it's just a matter of getting more practice, but that is, again, KCP, it feels like when you put him in those situations, he he makes the correct play. Kuzma, it always feels like he's making the wrong play, like 100% of the time. Like, he'll be heavily contested mm-hmm. with a wide-open roll man, and he'll try to shoot it. And then the, they'll be anticipating the lob, and he'll he'll lob it. And it's just so weird how it seems like, you know, he, he constantly finds himself in these positions, it feels like. And, you know, that's as the ball handler, but even, like, scoring-wise, it feels like... Kuzma will take eight shots in a game and there'll be eight completely different shots. You know what I mean? It's not like he's taking a a few threes a game or like a few, you know, pick and roll where he's the ball handler, mid-range jumpers or mid-range floaters. Like usually guys have like their kind of go-to moves and it feels like he doesn't have that. And then everything else will just start to fall into place. But it feels like every time he gets the ball, he's like trying to do something different than what he did last time. And sure. it's weird. It, it just ends up in him making these, like, kind of careless errors, I feel like. I will say, yeah, obviously, 
outside of the obvious, t- today's game was kind of difficult to sort of judge him on because he's not going to have the ball this much in his hands. And I feel like they were just telling him to do stuff. So that's probably why you saw a myriad of all of these things. And you didn't get to see Kuzma activating off of LeBron or Anthony Davis, where he's the role man or he's getting easy buckets and he's the cutter. Cause that's usually his role, right? Uh, it was more like, I don't know, like 60, 70% of the time Kuzma had the ball in his hands and this is kind of what you're going to get. But it felt more like a trial out period, like Kuzma do whatever. Uh, I will say that the one thing that I'm hoping gets more incorporated into his game and that I saw a little bit more of tonight was him just looking to take that mid-range step back jump shot a little bit more. And if he can make that more uh, a reliable part of his game, he he already has the mid-range game with regards to his floaters and stuff like that. But if he can add that, a consistent mid-range jump shot to, 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 to his overall arsenal, I think that'll help him out a lot. So that can become his, you know, other move that he can go to. So we'll see how he progresses in, in that respect. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any last uh, observations or anything you want to throw out about this game. I, I, he- I hesitate to go too deeply into like what right. any of this means outside of it was fun to watch basketball and LeBron James, you know, even with the sporting the, uh, the gray beard, uh, on the edges there looked great he looked amped he looked as fast as ever he was trying to prove a point dunking the ball um like i said anthony davis looked automatic almost like Kawhi leonard-esque in his precision and just all right let me just get these shots in and uh, take it easy um but outside of that anything else you wanted to add no, I think I'm just going to be interested to see once the games start getting competitive, how the stats start looking compared to regular games. I'm just general curiosity. I, you know, we've talked about how the no fans is going to affect the overall game. And I think I'm not going to say obviously is one game, so there's no way you can draw a conclusion from this, but like Seth Curry hit like seven threes in this game. He didn't miss a damn <laughs> shot. He, what did he score? Like 30 points. It was absurd. I mean, he, I didn't even like, notice. Yeah. Yeah, he he hit at least I think he was six for six from three and um, had a bunch of other shots where he was just destroying people uh, and and that's Seth Curry and you it kind of makes you wonder like is that is this just a random fluke is that like the case that some guys are going to be better without fans I don't know that's going to be a thing that I don't think we're really going to know until we're like halfway through the um, uh, the regular eight se- uh, regular season games so yeah that's the only thing uh, the only last comment I had. I agree. My last comment was J.R. Smith, welcome back to the NBA, kind of. I know he hasn't J.R. played Smith. an official game since 2018, but I mean, the good the guy looks slim. He looks good. He was moving around pretty fluidly through some nice passes and a nice lob to Dwight Howard. Uh, I'm interested to see in how they incorporate him. Obviously, I made that J.R. Smith video, and the more that I watch my own propaganda, I'm like, man, this guy's going to have a big role on this team. And, you know, I mean, he was hustling out there on defense, even though he was playing against oh, he was like playing hard second, defense, third dude. stringers. Yeah, it's so, I mean, and, you know, doing the research that I did on that video, I, I totally forgot just how much of a 3 and D sort of guy he was in the playoffs for the Cavs. Like, they legitimately relied on this dude to guard some of the Cavs' top wing defenders i mean wing opponents on the other team clay thompson paul george victor oladipo and you know three years ago two years ago is a long time but not that long so and given the fact that jared smith is gonna play less minutes you might you might surmise that okay if he's only playing with this limited amount of minutes then he knows that he can exert himself for that amount of time so maybe it all evens itself out even if he has regressed defensively 
just due to default age regression. But uh, yeah, that's another thing I'm interested in seeing, just how they continue to sort of integrate J.R. Smith, because you'd imagine once they play more rotational minutes that he's probably going to play a lot of those with Anthony Davis and or LeBron James. So um, with that said, that'll do it for our episode. We will catch you guys next time. We'll have one last penultimate episode, and then the next time you hear us, it will be official NBA games that count and matter. We just hope that the bubble hasn't burst um, till we get to that point. So with that said, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please follow um, us on Instagram as well. But most of all, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our videos that we've posted. And uh, please rate and review us five stars on iTunes. So uh, with that said, Tommy, I will catch you later. Later. Peace. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.